He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It got on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster. Oh boy, it was a fun, fun Halloween weekend. Asian boxing podcast, Scott and Colin, and boy, did we see a monster mash this Halloween weekend. On Halloween, actually, as Naoya and Noe with a huge, brutal knockout of Jason Maloney. Scott, uh, first of all, how was your Halloween? Did you have a lot of chocolate and did you get to watch boxing? I got to watch boxing. I don't need any excuse to eat chocolate. Um, we have a fridge full of it. So you're, you're just, you're always ready for Halloween. We're always ready to eat chocolate. Halloween or not, always ready for chocolate. I had a good one. All I did was watch boxing. I watched the Usyk fight. I watched, uh, you know, the Noe fight. I caught the end of Gervonta Davis. So it was a great, great weekend for boxing. And uh, let's start with top rank. Let's go to the bubble. And let's go into Naoya and Noe's fight where he asserted his dominance. And Scott, you were completely right. Because I said, Scott, you don't, you know... And always just going to go in there. It's going to be one or two rounds. We've seen this story before, but uh, you called it. You said six or seven. He's going to carry him maybe a little bit for the, the Japanese advertisers. They have to get their commercials in, right? So you can't just end it in a couple of rounds. And he needs to get some work. He's been off for almost a year. You were completely right. Yeah, I think probably another Japanese advertising scene helped on that one. Um, but yeah, I don't think he necessarily I don't think he necessarily carried him as in didn't do anything but I think he didn't put his foot on the gas as perhaps he can do I don't think we saw his train up body shots a lot I think he um he focused on his boxing and what he trained in as opposed to trying to destroy Maloney nice and quick I think he looked good for it I think he allowed American fans a a good chance to see what he's about what his boxing's like and see what his timing and power is like I think he showed up a lot of things without need to dig too deep into his arsenal as well. You are correct. I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't say he carried him because Maloney, give credit where credit is due. Maloney is a tough son of a gun. And Inoue just kept on hitting him with some huge shots. So he didn't carry him. Uh, Inoue, or Maloney, hung tough. But eventually he got his man. And, and you're right. I, I think he didn't step on the gas as much as we've seen him do. But... Uh, when he wanted to, he got his shots in. Yeah, and that kind of shows his class as well. Um, he didn't need to go through the gears. He was always very comfortable. He did what he needed to do. He impressed on a U.S. audience that perhaps hadn't seen him enough. He also did the smart thing, I think, and trying to drag it out a little bit longer to make sure that Americans have seen enough of him. If he'd just done a one-round blowout or a two-round blowout, well, the other person wasn't very good, was he? No. Maloney is tough, Maloney's good, and anyway, taking a few rounds allows him to show what he can do as well. We were talking about this before, Scott. Us Americans, we just don't like the the light fighter. We're not going to watch the light flyweight or the bantam weight or the super flyweight. We love the heavyweight, and now we've all of a sudden shifted our attention. We're like, all right, we'll watch welterweights or lightweights, but I, I, we're not going below lightweight. That's just the, the nature of the American boxing fan. But I think that in no way has the, the power uh, to really welcome 
or at least attract a fan and become almost mainstream. Maybe not to the level that Pacquiao was because Pacquiao just kept climbing and climbing. But in no way, you look at his, uh, just on YouTube, on on Top Rank YouTube, the video of his KO, close to a million views. That's pretty good for a boxing video. So I think he has some appeal here. Yeah, I think he has some appeal. He's got an exciting style. He's got a charming personality, a friendly cheekiness. I think we saw that with the interview with Mark Regal. He takes a lot of boxes. Um, his size is one of his problems, and his lack of English is another problem. But this week, when he arrived back in Japan, he explained that he was going to start learning English, and that he realizes that is something that he's got to work on. And I think that will open up a lot more opportunities for him to connect with American fans. If he learns English, he's going to explode. That is very, very important if you want to connect with the American fans or the English fans or just whoever, right? I mean, it's important to be able to at least say hello or thank you or or something. We even see it with Usyk. Like, Usyk doesn't really know English that well, but he's able to construct a couple of sentences you know i am feel very feel stuff like that thank you very much that's a horrible usic impression but he, he can at least if in no way could say thank you um thank you you know thank you to my american fans stuff like that then i think he can garner a lot of interest you just need to look at kanzu last year when he was interviewed and his interview with um i'm not sure who it was on design after he won uh, won the title against Jesus M. Rojas. He just came across as naturally charming. Uh, when asked where his power came from, he said it was made in China and things like that. Broken English can be a really, really powerful weapon for a fighter from outside of a major boxing country or outside of a Western boxing country, should I say. Uh, Golovkin did the same as well. Uh, Mexican style, he's a good boy. Yeah, get a catchphrase, run with it. This is boxing. Manny Pacquiao did the same thing. Broken English, and it's gotten a lot better over the years, but when he first started, it, was, it wasn't it was great, but he endeared himself to American fans by learning that English. Bob Arum said, hey, this could be the next superstar, and I think if he learns English, he really can be. Now, for Inoue, how long do you think he's going to go in between fights, and who does he fight next? I think Bob Arams said it'd be probably April or May, or maybe March or April next year that he's planning to come back out. We all want to see the Casemiro fight. That's the fight that seems a logical one. Heidi Yukiyohashi was saying that it's potentially going to be a mandatory for the IBF, which probably Michael Dasmarinas, which would be a massive disappointment. But if that happens in, say, the spring, and we get the Casemiro fight in the summer, the WBC title and in December or November next year. That's a good year by anyone's standards. I hate mandatories. I do. Let's just see the unification. Let's see the fights we want to see. I I get that, you know, you have to give the shot or a shot to the guy who's up next, but can't those fights wait? If they're smart and if both mandatories are on the same card and they use that as an opportunity to push the next fight, then fine. I get Casemiro and Inoue on the same card, get Casemiro fighting first and then charging the ring after Inoue, let them go face-to-face. Brilliant. 
if they're not in the same car, it's a big missed opportunity. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin. On the same card, Scott, Naoya Inoue's gym mate, Andy Hiraoka, made another top rank appearance. And, and, you know, he looked very impressive, albeit against not the toughest opponent. Yeah, he looked... I don't know if we mentioned this last time we did one of these, but Hiroaka is an athlete who's then a boxer. And you notice quite a lot of mistakes he's making. He's a very strong, powerful, long-rangey kid, but there's a lot of work to do with him. And I think that's really evident with how he went, and go, went about this belt. He's just very lucky that Ricky Edwards didn't have much power and didn't have much ambition. But Hiroaka is so much more improved than what he was just a couple of years ago, and hopefully, bout by bout, he improves. He had no amateur experience. He's learning on the job. He's someone that's worth following, but I don't know just how far he can go. I love the kid's personality. Very charming personality. And you're right. He's an athlete. Maybe doesn't always look like the most polished boxer, but he has some power. He has power. He has stamina. He has size. He has these things you can't teach. Now it needs to come down to the teaching of what he hasn't already got see whether or not he can make it at the top. Scott, I got a, a little excited because we jumped right to the Halloween card with Naoya Inoue and Hiroka, both from the Ohashi gym, both did excellent. But let's step back and go to Fantasy Springs where uh, on the undercard of Jaime Munguia's fight, we saw another Asian boxer from Uzbekistan which just churns out great great boxers it, it seems like there's a factory making boxers over there Bektamir and I'm not going to even try and pronounce his last name Bektamir the bully he fought a day before Halloween he did he fought Alan Kampa um, Bektamir Melikuziev and unfortunately for whatever reason I'm going to put down to does not really understand their audience about wasn't shown you have this exciting, fresh faced power puncher, and you decide not to show his belt to your audience that are pinning. Thankfully, Dazon did then put the belt on their YouTube channel um, without commentary, which was an absolute delight. Um, yeah, he looked good. He looked destructive. Camper didn't look like he should have been in the ring with him. Um, but then again, very, very few fighters are going to look suitable as a punch from Melikuziev. He... He needs to be stepped up, um, but I don't see any fighters in a rush to get in with him. He had apparently asked his team to fight uh, Sergei Kovalev, so possibly that's one for next year. Um, but yeah, he's just he's something special. Kovalev, uh, he's going for the big dogs already. Yeah, apparently there's Kovalev, and I don't know who the other one was, but there's two names that were sort of that upper sort of top ten, top fifteen that he called out. And the thing is, I think Kovalev's probably there for the take. I don't think that's an, an unwinnable fight for him. I think that's genuinely a very, very good bit of matchmaking if you can get it. Asian Boxing, the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. Asianboxing.info. If you want a website, if you love Asian Boxing and you're looking for a website with all of the information about Asian boxers from Japan to Thailand to Uzbekistan, it doesn't matter Asianboxing.info has it all. Uh, Scott, looking ahead, we were scheduled to have some great fights. 
but a couple of them have been called off. Why have these been called off, Scott? One of them, uh, Kazuto Takisako versus Riku Kunimoto, was called off after Takisako suffered an arm injury in training. He has been told to rest for about two months, and so he probably won't fight again until March, April next year. That was actually a mandatory title fight as well, so Kunimoto needs to wait a bit longer. The only thing about that is it was originally arranged for May, then I think it was arranged for October, then November, and it keeps getting cancelled for whatever reason. And that's a really frustrating one because it looks a really interesting bout. If uh, it didn't take place until April next year, Kunimoto won't fought for two years by the time he ends up actually getting in the ring, which is even more annoying. The bigger news um, was Hiroto Kaigushi's bout with Thanomsak Simshri was cancelled yesterday. That was meant to take place earlier today, and it was cancelled after Kaigushi tested positive for COVID-19, along with one of his trainers. Oh, yeah, just... Uh... Unfortunate to hear. Again, we, we're sending our uh, prayers and thoughts to both Kaoguchi and Takasako for speedy recovery. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, just with, with everything that's going on, obviously we have to be very careful with um, the, the COVID that's going around. So we hope that Kaoguchi, uh, you know, makes a speedy recovery. He's able to get right back in that ring because we want to see him fight. We do. And actually, the there is a bit of a silver lining here. Simstreet has a visa that will allow him into Japan until the end of the year. So there is there is talk that, that will just delay the bout more than anything else. Um, Kaiguchi is asymptomatic himself. His trainer is also asymptomatic. Strangely, they both tested negative the day before the fight when they had a antigen test. And then they both tested positive on the day of the weigh-in when they had a PCR test. So there is some suspicion that perhaps the antigen tests aren't particularly effective enough for the role they're playing. Um, but yeah, due to the positive for Kaigushi and his trainer, the entire card got scrapped less than 24 hours before it was supposed to take place. And we've seen it too, at least here in the States, with players, coaches. Sometimes there's false positives. So maybe it could be that. But again, you have to be as careful as possible with these things. So we totally understand why they scrapped the entire card. We do, though, however, get one beautiful world championship bout between Junto Nakatani and Gimel Magramo. Yeah, that's going to be a fantastic fight. That's two really young, talented guys. First thing all, first world title fight for both men, Nakatani bust an unbeaten record. Magrama's only loss was a very close one in South Korea to Mohamed Wasim, who at the time was based in South Korea. He had a South Korean promoter. There's a good chance he should have been unbeaten as well. So two brilliant fighters. Very different styles. Um Nakatani, a longer rangier guy who could fight on the inside. Magrama heavy handed boxer puncher who moves very well. Yeah, this should be a real real bomb burner. Is this fight going to be made available to the public? Yes, sort of, kind of. It'll be shown in Japan on G Plus and BSN TV um, live, and then it'll be shown on NTV in Japan on tape delay at like 2 o'clock in the morning. So if you have access to any TV channels from Tokyo, you can watch it. If you don't have access to 
TV, you have to try and find it when we post it up online. Unfortunately, G Plus and BSN TV are really, really, really hard ones to get streams for. So unless you pay for Isakura, a website I really do recommend every boxing fan takes a look at, um, you probably won't be watching it live. I'm probably going to be in the boat of waiting till it pops up on AsianBoxing.info, which I'm okay with. Just no spoilers, please. I will uh, try and avoid spoilers until watching that fight. Junto Nakatani against Magramo. Also on this this card, Juiki Tatsuyoshi, the son of the great Tatsuyoshi, uh, fighting a super bantamweight fight. Yeah, so this is Juki Tatsuyoshi, the son of the former WBC bantamweight champion and enigmatic, charismatic genius Joishiro Tatsuyoshi. On paper, he looks like he's an easy. He's 13-0 now. He's on his way to a Japanese title fight. The guy he's in with, however, is a, was a solid amateur. Um, Kazuhiro Imamura has a 2-0 record, but as I mentioned, he's a good amateur. He's a southpaw. He's naturally you know, the same sort of size to Tatsuyoshi, who has been beating up quite a few smaller men. This is probably, probably Tatsuyoshi's toughest bout so far. And I wouldn't be surprised because the distance and if Tatsuyoshi perhaps gets a little bit lucky on the cards. Great day of boxing there at Korokan Hall. And Scott, that's not all because on the weekend, we also get a couple of Good tie cards. We do. Um, for whatever reason, since COVID started, tie card quality has increased so much. It's perhaps the fact they can't bring over really limited tie Filipinos and Indonesians to put the cards. But whatever it is, please keep giving us good cards, Thailand. Um, on Saturday, we see Amnat Ruenrong versus Pungwang Sawsingyu. Um, Amnat former IBF flyweight champion, dirty, dirty fire. Wonderfully dirty, sneaky kit. And Pungman Sourcing is a former two-time WBO bantamweight champion. But yeah, that, that's really brilliant. So we get some good tie cards. We get Junto Nakatani. It's still going to be a solid weekend. Even though we lost the Takesako fight, the Kyoguchi fight, we still get some quality boxing this weekend. We do, and the other, sorry, I only mentioned one of the tie cards. The other one features a guy called Natapong Jankyu facing former Noye Nui opponent, Pechbanbong Kukitian. Uh, Jankyu's really, really talented. Jankyu is possibly the most naturally talented tie out there at the moment. Pechbanbong um, gave Inuyah some problems, including a law blow that saw Inuyah then take a clean shot whilst complaining to the referee. So, yeah, that's another good card. Uh, both of them are actually available on the Promote's Facebook account. So, it's no excuse. Thailand's giving you free boxing, folks. You don't need to pay pay-per-view for this. The East, they just know. They do it well. They don't do the pay-per-view. They put it on live. So, you'll be able to watch a, a nice, nice a couple of Thai fights and, and have some fun on the weekend. And, by the way, Scott, if you notice, I just let you pronounce all those Thai names because I, I can't do it. So, thank goodness you're here. I probably butchered every one of them. Uh, you know, you probably did, but it was a better effort and better than anything I could do. Speaking of TIE Fighters, one of my favorites, Sri Skitsor Rungvasai. I can pronounce that one just because I've heard it a couple of times. 
Uh, Sauronga Vasai versus Estrada 3. A possibility? A very strong possibility. The WBC sent both teams an order to negotiate ahead of a mandatory, um, which would go to Perspiz on December the 1st if they haven't agreed a deal. Unfortunately, this bout probably means we're not going to see Juan Francisco Estrada versus Roman Gonzalez next. Fortunately, it means the replacement's going to be Estrada versus Shrisaket 3. We're not getting one thing, but we're getting something really good instead. It makes sense. I mean, you want to have that third fight. They're one and one. Let's have the tiebreaker. I would pay for that fight. If that was on pay-per-view, I would pay for that fight because I like both fighters. You know it's going to be a war when Skit and Estrada go toe-to-toe. Yeah, you'd pay for that, but you'd also pay for Gonzalez Estrada. True. I mean, they're both going to be wars. That's what you love about the, the lightweight fighters. These guys don't mess around. Yeah, they don't mess around. The top guys fight each other. They're not avoiding each other. They're not ducking each other. They're not playing the A side versus B side card. They're not hiding behind promoters. They're one of the big fights. They want to make a name for themselves. That's the way they make the money at the end of the day. It'd be great if we do have to see Shrisket versus Estrada 3, that we see Gonzalez on the same card against perhaps a Donny Nietes or a Kazuto Ioka. Some of the name where the winners can then match up midway through 20. 21, if we get top guys fighting each other, we can't complain. Another Superfly card. We've had Superfly 1, Superfly 2. I think there was Superfly 3. Why not Superfly 4? Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott, Colin, AsianBoxing.info. Scott, we've had a lot of fun today. Now, my question for you is, what's next for the rest of the day? For the rest of the day, it's about half past nine here. So my plan is to have a cup of coffee and follow your elections. Oh, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of fun following our elections. I've watched the prequels. I've watched the little debate things. Might as well watch the final one. You're a braver man than I am. I try to stay away from the politics. It's so crazy. It's so wild. Um, But uh, yeah, I probably will be keeping an eye on it as well back here in the States. Again, thank you so much for listening. We hope you are having a great day and we will talk to you next time. He did the monster.